0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. I'm Louis Carpass. nice to have you with well, us on this Friday evening as we preview what is once again a long weekend. I guess it is all over the world. First of May, May Day on Monday. So lots of action between now and Monday evening, I can tell you, before we get into the weekend preview, what happened last night in the Premier League and Spurs we were down by two goals to little at half time against Manchester United. Somewhere, somehow, dug really deep in the second half, and it was definitely a game of two halves as they came back from two 0 down at half time to end up drawing two all on a night of a triple action of uh, action in the Premier League. The result between Man United and Spurs a two all draw. To be perfectly honest with you, it didn't really help anybody. And I guess after leading two in the little half-time, Manchester United will think that they threw two points away. But I guess if you'd offered them before the start of the game a draw at uh, the Tottenham Stadium, you would have got a response. of I'll take a point away from this game, bearing in mind, of course, that they are fighting for third and fourth place in the Premier League. I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference third or fourth as long as they are in the top four as far as Man United fans are concerned for an opportunity to play in the Champions League next season. However, it was not a good night for Everton and Southampton, which means it was a good night for Nottingham Forest and the teams above them because Newcastle closed in on Champions League football, a 4-1 thrashing of Everton. That's after they beat Spurs 6-1 last Sunday. Christian Stellini's four-game reign as interim manager at Spurs ended. Ryan Moss... In his first matching charge at halftime, might have thought that he was only going to be there for 90 minutes. However, when he came off at the end of the day, I think his uh, boss, Daniel Levy, the chairman of Spurs, will be pretty happy with the second half performance of his team. So what does that do to the football table? We'll have to wait until the preview later in the program of the Premier League for the weekend. We will discuss the league table for you in depth then. Let's kill two birds with one stone towards the end of tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room when we discuss the Premier League action for the weekend. But I think what we'll do tonight is start off with the uh, Grand Prix action. It's thick, fast and furious. This Formula One sprint race will become stand-alone events with a new shootout qualifying session replacing final practice at six Grand Prix's this year, starting with Azerbaijan this weekend. The FIA Formula One Commission, which includes the 10 teams, voted unanimously for the change at a meeting in Geneva this week. The decision was approved by an e-vote of the World Motorsport Council. The change has been the qualifying, which follows an hour-long opening practice, will set the grid For the main Grand Prix, instead of Saturday sprint, there will be a half-hour sprint shootout qualifying on Saturday morning to determine the starting order for the same day's 100-kilometer sprint race, which offers points for the top eight finishers, but no longer sets the grid for Sunday. The qualifying will be divided into three parts, the first phase lasting 12 minutes, the second 10 minutes, and a final top-10 shootout of eight minutes. Drivers will have to use new medium compound tyres in the first two phases and softs for phase three. The change is aimed at adding excitement and delivering more jeopardy, according to the FIA. It could mean drivers having one lap to secure pole position in the final phase of qualifying depending on the length of the track and the traffic. The number of sprint races has doubled since being introduced last season. Formula One argues that separating the sprint from Sunday's action will improve the show, by allowing drivers to race freely without risk to their start position for the main Grand Prix. The sport says television viewing figures have gone up for Fridays when there has been competitive action to watch rather than just practice. I have to agree with that. I must be honest with you, as much as I'm a Formula One fan, it has been a little bit of a, why do I really want to watch Friday? It means nothing. You don't know if the cars are full. You don't know how much fuel they've got. You don't know what tires they're using. You don't know if the drivers are really going flat out. So now... It means that there is something to watch on a Friday. There's also a lot now to watch on a Saturday, and then, of course, the main race on the Sunday. What the Formula One people have not given is the fact that I guess drivers are still going to be a little cautious on Saturday afternoon in the sprint race, because if you damage your car in the sprint race, it doesn't matter what your starting position on the grid was the previous day. You could still end up, if you hypothetically damage the car to a point where you have to change a power plant or a gearbox or something like that, you might be demoted down the order because of that situation. But anyway, it's great. I love seeing motor racing when it's racing as opposed to cars just driving around a track practicing. It's like watching cricketers bowling in the nets. and It means nothing. Now, apart from Baku, Austria, Belgium, Qatar, Austin, and Brazil, will also have sprint races. And Spanish Formula One veteran Fernando Alonso arrived in Azerbaijan with a glow of a man much in love with the sport. Nor perhaps with Taylor Swift, he could naturally refuse repeated opportunities to confirm all deny nine he was dating the American singer. But right with an old flame Formula One. He said it's been happy days, the 41 year old beamed at his new Aston Martin's temporary weekend cabin on the shores of the Caspian Sea in Baku. Oh, what it's like to be a Formula One driver. Alonso, the 2005 and 2006 world champion, is enjoying a run of three consecutive podiums for the first time since 2013. It's part of an investment. And belief of the owner of Aston Martin, Lawrence Stroll, and his part is due to Alonso's rekindled mojo for the sports. What's interesting, I mean, Taylor Swift, really? Alonso and Taylor Swift, there's got to be a line in there somewhere, but I'm not going to go there. Not today. Okay, so now double world champion Max Verstappen has raised doubts about his future after his Red Bull contract runs out in 2028. The 25-year-old driver is leading Mexican teammate Sergio Perez in the championship after winning two of the three races this year and could clinch a third title with plenty of time to spare. This week, Azerbaijan Grand Prix sees so the first of the sprint races. Next year, there will be a record 24 races on the, on the Canada. China are set to return after a four-year break due to COVID-19. Now, Verstappen himself was not a fan of sprints and thought carefully when asked by reporters about the new format. He says, if we keep expanding the calendar and the whole weekend is that long, at one point you question yourself, is it worth it? He says he does like racing. He likes winning. and He knows, of course, the salary and everything. You have a good life. Is it actually a good life? Come on, Max. Stop talking a lot of nonsense. You fly around the world in a private jet. You live on yachts. You live in Monaco, you don't pay taxes, you earn millions, tens, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars a year. You drive an Aston Martin, you go all the women in the world wanting to date you, and now you're moaning. Oh, please, stop sounding like my hero, Nigel Mansell. And I can say that because Nigel was my hero. And still will be. If you came back, well, you'll never come back to racing, but anyway. Okay, off the subject of the Grand Prix, I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun. I will review it for you on Monday evening. going to be great. I love the streets of Baku. Such a good race. So beautiful to watch the old city and the new city coming together and the guys getting out there and uh, racing as they will over the weekend. Right, let's move to rugby now. And have a look at the fixtures for the weekend coming up. There's uh, quite a few of them. No big uh, franchise rugby this weekend. Obviously, the teams are waiting for next week's uh, quarterfinals in the major rugby competitions around the world. However, later on tonight, the Cheetahs will play the Griffins in a Curry Cup match. Tomorrow morning, the Fijian Trua take on the Blues at five minutes past four. That's the good old days of rugby in New Zealand, in this case in Fiji. Where we used to wake up at five o'clock or four o'clock in the morning to watch afternoon games. No floodlights in those days, so the eleven-hour time difference between us and New Zealand. Lovely early morning start on a Saturday. Now six thirty-five sees Pacifica they are playing against the Rebels, and then a more respectable time of the morning. Five plus nine, the Chiefs play the Crusaders. And Twenty-five to twelve, the Reds play the Force. In the Curry Cup action tomorrow, half past one, the Sharks take on the Griquas, And then at 6.30 tomorrow evening, Western Province play the Vodacom Bulls. DHL Western Province against the Vodacom Bulls. In the uh, Curry Cup First Division, the Portland Cavaliers, they play the Leopards at three. The EP Elephants, they play Simba 15 at three o'clock as well. In the Champions Cup, Leinster plays Stade Toulousan. And in the EPCR Challenge Cup, the Clenetly Scarlets play Glasgow Warriors. It's only Yulan against Benetton in the EPCR Championship on Sunday. And La Rochelle will play the Exeter Chiefs in the Champions Cup also on Sunday. That game at 4 o'clock. But next week, it's uh, big action in the rugby where the Stormers and the Bulls and the others are in action. So that's all next week. Right. How's the golf going? You might be wondering. Well, I can tell you right now. It is the PGA Mexico uh, tournament on the PGA Tour. It's the Mexican Open and Austin Smotherman uh, chasing his second Mexican Open title and first PGA Tour victory, uh, closed with four consecutive birdies to fire an eight under past 64 and leads 28-year-old American captured his first professional title at the 2018 Mexico Open But then the event was part of the PGA Tour Latin America Development Circuit. It's now a full-on PGA Tour event. The tournament became a main PGA Tour event last year and was won by Spain's John Rahm. The world number one and defending champion captured his second major title three weeks ago at the Masters. Now Smotherman, a college teammate of 2020 US Open winner Bryson DeChambeau at Southern Methodist, fired a bogey-free round. As a one-stroke leader, the South African Eric Van Rooyen and Argentina's Tano Goya, they both shot seven under par. Tony Finau, the American, shared second behind Rahm last year. Headlined a group on 65 that included Canada's Taylor Pendrith, American Eric Cole, Germany's Stefan Jager, and Mexico's Raúl Pereira uh, Lovely stuff there. Now on the other golf tour at the moment the dp world tour the guys are currently playing in korea and antoine rosnas and equaled his lowest career 18 hole score as he began the 2023 korean championship a 63 he has a commanding four shot lead in that one the frenchman started from the 10th tee in the morning and fired six birdies on the front nine and didn't look back after that. So, uh, lovely stuff for him. Uh, going along very, very nicely in deed on that tour. He is, obviously, uh, now after the second round. He shot 74. Two over bars. So, seven under and then two over. Not so great. He's now on 137. Lying second after Sung Yoon Park. Shot a three under today, sixty nine to go with the sixty seven yesterday. He is currently at eight under par with the Yannick uh, Paul, who's also at eight under par, also shooting two rounds in the low sixties, uh, one thirty six. The two of them have at the moment a um, couple of other uh, names there in uh, that particular tournament. Obviously, the time difference uh, they have completed. Round two this Friday already. Right, cricket. Let's uh, have a look at some cricket. And I did mention it yesterday, and I'm so sure that many of you thought this would happen. Sri Lanka have beaten Ireland by an innings and 10 runs today to win the second test in goal and seal the series to nil. Ramesh Mendes took five for 64 in Ireland's second innings to leave the tourists still searching for a first test win very very high scoring game in the first innings ireland batting first their highest ever test score 492 there were hundreds for sterling got 103 curtis camp for 111 and disappointment for andrew balberni he got 95 as i say 492 they scored in their first innings sri lanka wow Massive, massive score time in Test history that the top four have all got hundreds. Uh, Fernando two hundred and five, Karunaratne one hundred and fifteen, Mendes two forty five, and Angelo Matthews hundred not outs as Sri Lanka piled the runs on to reach seven hundred and four for three in only hundred and fifty one overs, and is quite remarkable. Just some of the bowling figures, just to give you an idea. Andrew or McBrian. 57 overs, eight maidens, one for 191. My golly goodness. 22 overs, one for 87 for Graham Hume. That's very good figures considering the team he was bowling had scored 700 plus. Curtis Kampfer, one for 101 in 20 overs. And then a couple of the other bowlers, Benjamin White, 34 overs, only one maiden, 203 runs hit off his bowling. And he never took a wicket. And then Ireland's second innings, inevitable that this was going to happen, bowled out for two hundred and two, losing by an innings and ten runs. The best of the bowlers there, as I mentioned for you, five for sixty-four in twenty-seven overs from Ramish Mendes spun the Irish out. They won the toss. elected to bat. And at the end of the day, they have been bowled out. Have the Irish and they've lost by an innings and 10 runs but that's not the only cricket this weekend there's a lot of cricket coming up this weekend let's go through it for you later on tomorrow in the morning early four o'clock it's the Thai women who play Zimbabwe in the fourth T20 international and then the Asia Cup qualifiers continue tomorrow when Nepal play Kuwait and the United Arab Emirates play Oman followed by the first one-day international between the Sri Lankan women and the Bangladeshi women at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. And then two matches in the IPL. The Kolkata Knight Riders play the Gujarat Titans at 12 o'clock tomorrow and at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon in the Delhi Capitals against the Sunrisers Hyderabad in a double header. Pakistan also in action tomorrow in the second one-day international. They play New Zealand. That one starts at half past 12 Sunday, it's the Chennai Super Kings against the Punjab Kings. They play at 12 o'clock, and then it's the Mumbai Indians against the Rajasthan Royals. That match at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Right, tennis news for you. And uh, Andy Murray is out of the Madrid Open. He crashed out in the first round, beaten 6 6 by qualifier. Andre Vassori. Now, that was yesterday, Thursday afternoon. The Italian world number 164 uh, turfed out the three-time Grand Slam champion in straight sets in the Spanish capital, Madrid. The former world number one, Murray, was also knocked out in the first round in Monte Carlo, a fortnight ago, and described it as demoralizing and awful. He broke uh, Murray twice to take a 4 lead in the first set before serving out with his opponent, unable to force a single break point in the game. The 27-year-old broke again for 2-1 in the second set and never looked back. It was a fantastic performance by him. That tournament will continue on over the weekend in Madrid. All of this, of course, building up to the big second Grand Slam of the year, which is the French Open Tennis Championship. That takes place on the red clay of Roland Garros. Now, as far as the other tennis events are concerned over the next uh, day or two, so the Madrid Open continues, men's and women's singles going along their ladies' final tomorrow. The men's competition ends on Sunday, so there is action later on today and tomorrow. Camilla Osorio plays Arena Sabalenka. Mira Andreva plays Magda Linette. This is the last 16. Elise Mertens plays Julie Neymar. Caroline Garcia plays Maya Sheriff. Ludmila Samsonova takes on Yelena Ostapenko. Inna Carmella Begu plays Shelby Rogers. Rebecca Masarova plays Maria Sakari. And Coco Goff plays Paula Badoza. That is in the uh, last uh, 16 of that one. And then the men's tournament, uh, lots going on there as well. Some of the uh, highlights of matches being played there. Of course, there are still some big names in that tournament. Sebastian Corder is there. Uh, Roberta Carbal bayena plays Alexander Zverev. Uh, Daniel Evans from Great Britain still playing. Taylor Fritz of the Americas. He's playing, plays Christopher O'Connell. And Alex de Manau plays Marco Cecinato in a uh, uh, tournament in Madrid. So great stuff there, right? Uh, that is pretty much the uh, other sports. Let's now look at football and talk about the Premier League, shall we? Let's start with uh, Premier League fixtures for the weekend. Only three games tomorrow. It's just three Crystal Palace play West Ham at half past one, early kick off their London Derby, that one. Brighton and Hove Albion host the Wolverhampton Wanderers at four o'clock. And at four o'clock, Brentford play Nottingham Forest. Now, there's some very interesting fixtures with regards to those teams in the table, which we'll look at in a moment. On Sunday, Bournemouth take on Leeds United at three o'clock. At the same time, Fulham will host Manchester City and Newcastle will host Southampton. At three o'clock, Manchester United at Old Trafford will host Aston Villa. And then half past five, a clash if you're a neutral. You'll really enjoy this one, I guess. Liverpool against Tottenham, Hotspur. That's Liverpool against Spurs. That game on Sunday at 5.30. And then uh, Monday, Mayday Monday, Leicester City play Everton at nine o'clock. And then you might be wondering where Arsenal and Chelsea are. Well, they round off the weekend's fixtures only on Tuesday evening when Arsenal play Chelsea at nine o'clock. Now, every single game for Arsenal is a have to win situation. And they hope now that Manchester City slip up just like Manchester City were hoping that Arsenal would slip up until they met them when they obviously had their own fate in their own hands. Now, we all know that Arsenal slipped up three games in a row and then lost to Manchester City, which means that they have two games in hand to Manchester City, and they are only two points behind Arsenal at the top of the table. Arsenal have played 33 won 23, drawn six, lost four goals for 78, goals against 38, goal difference of 40, and they have 75 points. That means that Manchester City, who've played 31 games, have also won 23, drawn four and lost four. They have two goals for, 29 goals against, and a goal difference of plus 53, 73 points, which really means they have 74 points, because if they were to be level on points at the end of the season, Manchester City would win at the title. But if Manchester City win their remaining games, doesn't matter what Arsenal do, Man City will be crowned Champions of England for the fifth time in six years, which is a remarkable feat for Pep Guardiola. Now, the question remains in my mind, and I'm sure in the minds of many neutrals, not necessarily in the minds of Manchester City fans, I don't think, but will they perhaps sacrifice one of the competitions that they're involved in by resting a player here or a player there a Champions League? But they could be out of the Champions League come the end of two weeks' time when the two semi semi-finals are over and done with. Although, if they are, they're going to have three weekends in a row where every game, most probably, for them, is going to be a cup final. The last round of matches in the Premier League, followed by the FA Cup final against rivals Manchester United, followed the following weekend by a Champions League final. It could be a mammoth month, rather, End of May into June for Manchester City. I remember in 1999 actually being in London during the uh, time of Manchester United's double, where they had to win their last game of the Premier League, then they had to win the FA Cup final against Newcastle, and then the Champions League to be crowned treble winners. There are no uh, trophies in their cupboard if they'd lost those three as they progressed towards the end of the season. So. You can't have any pity for Manchester City or any of the teams that are competing at all the highest levels in all the competitions because ultimately that's what you play for. So, you know, they do have a very tough schedule due to Manchester City. But I think at the end of the day, the reason they are where they are is because they have a massive squad and they are a very, very good side indeed. Now, let's continue looking down the table. Newcastle currently in third, two points ahead of Manchester United. But United also have that third spot in their own hands. If they win their game in hand, they will leapfrog Newcastle into third place, bearing in mind third and fourth both qualify. I think they've now pulled away Spurs fifty-four points, six points behind Manchester United, and they've played two more games than United, as have Aston Villa and Liverpool one more game than United, but they are seven points behind United. So, It's almost certain the top four have been decided. What order they're going to finish in remains to be seen. I think that the top and the second are going to swap places and third and fourth will swap places. My prediction is Manchester City to win the title, Arsenal to come second, Manchester United to come third, Newcastle to come fourth, and most probably in the final run into the season, don't be surprised if Liverpool end up in fifth place, rather, with Spurs and Villa fighting it out. For 6th and 7th with Brighton and Hove Albion now just a little bit off the pace. But at the bottom of the table, this is where it gets very interesting indeed. Southampton's loss last night did them absolutely no favours whatsoever. And neither did Everton's loss. So who benefited? Well, Nottingham Forest benefited, to be perfectly honest with you. Because if either of those sides, in particularly if Everton or Leicester had won in midweek, They would have both leaped from Nottingham Forest, who could have found themselves down in second last place. Right now, only goal difference separates them from Leeds in 16th place. And it looks as though West Ham are out of trouble. They have 34 points. They play Crystal Palace at the weekend, who have 37. So if West Ham were to win, they would join Palace on thirty-seven. Still enough games, four games, which would then be remaining for Palace and West West Ham would have five games uh, remaining. I reckon they are safe. Southampton, I keep saying this week in and week out, looks to me as though they are doomed to relegation. Everton, uh, every season they've managed somehow such a big club with so much history, never been relegated from the top flight of English football is this going to be the year that they do not survive by the skin yeah. of their teeth? It kind of like looks like it at the moment, but this Premier League has dished up some strange results in years gone by. Leicester City also, can you believe it, a team that won the Premier League six seven years ago, I can't remember exactly how many years ago it was, 5,000 to one they were, Jamie Vardy and a whole host of really, really good players in that side, Harry Maguire, who now plays for Manchester United, all played there, Leicester City 5,000 to 1-1, the Premier League, Claudio Ranieri, he's gone, Leicester City's manager, uh, owner rather, unfortunately tragically killed in a helicopter accident outside the ground, and since then I'm afraid Leicester City's fortunes have pretty much dwindled, and here they sit in third Bottom place in the league, 18th place. Nottingham Forest, well, as I said uh, previously in my the midweek matches, they came away with a very, very good win indeed. And that's lifted them out of the relegation zone. And this is the time when you want to be lifted out of the relegation zone. Leeds Forest are two sides that have been up and down, up and down. I'm afraid Southampton, Everton and West Ham, who could perhaps be in that dogfight at the bottom as well. Um, are teams that are not normally down there at the bottom of the Premier League. Promises to be a fantastic sporting weekend, whether it's Grand Prix motor racing, Formula One, whether it's Premier League football, whether it is tennis, golf, or any other major sport that you enjoy over the weekend. Do it with passion. Enjoy it with passion. Watch it with passion, but ultimately, just be nice to each other. Until Monday evening's review of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room, goodbye.